0: Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. You can find me at narctroopers.com, where you will also find other podcasts, many articles published in medium.com and other publications, as well as a video blog. All of these designed to help you, to educate you, and support you about recovery from abuse caused by a cluster B disordered individual. Today's topic is something a little fun, a little tongue-in-cheek, and it's called, I want to be a sea slug. So there's incredible new scientific discoveries about sea slugs that are capable of decapitating themselves. yes, And they regenerate their entire bodies after decapitating themselves. This phenomenon is believed to be the most um, extreme example of self amputation and regeneration ever witnessed. So it goes like this. Once that it's detached, you know, the heads freely move around feeding on algae That would be just the head. If you can picture this, it's really kind of gross. The self-inflicted wound heals within 24 hours. Don't you wish our recovery was that fast? Man, I do. They're able to subsist without vital organs by hijacking chloroplasts from the algae and performing a kind of photosynthesis internally. Um, And then an almost exact copy of the original body returns within two to three weeks. Completely. The whole thing. And what's even weirder, their headless, discarded body stays alive for months. Yeah. So... just think about that exactly why and how animals discard their bodies is unknown you know when i always thought about my husband i i thought about snakes and how they would shed their skin and um how that was something you know he was something of a snake charmer we had snakes in the garage two of them and on our property and characteristic of narcissists and psychopaths they have no fear and i mean zero fear um that's a whole complicated issue for another podcast another day but um he would fearlessly handle these poisonous snakes Uh, we had two water moccasins um cottonmouth and we had a rattlesnake and totally fearless just handled them Put them in a duffel bag and then took this, did this catch and release thing where he took it to a field and then opened up the duffel bag and let it go. It's the craziest thing I ever saw. So I always associated him with um, sort of a snake, but this is different. This, um, the, the whole thing with the snails, it's not just a new skin, it's a whole new body. It's a whole new body. A whole just everything regenerated. So, um, why would they do this, animals? The whole process could be triggered by the presence of internal parasites or some other destructive force. Regenerative medicine is, you know, a pretty amazing thing. They're experimenting with humans now. I mean, it's real, like cloning and DNA splicing and editing and CRISPR and all of that fun stuff. So I think you know where I'm going to be going with this story, right? You can guess this because you know what I'm talking about. Every time we get together, we're talking about recovery from the trauma, from the CPTSD, from all the different symptoms we have following being in a relationship with these folks. Um, So, Okay, let's just jump in. After a relationship that's abusive and has trauma and all of that with a cluster B disordered partner, you feel as if you've been violated by some kind of black poison um, that is a lethal toxin and that you would do pretty much anything to remove this sort of internal, feels like an internal parasite that's feeding on you and just eating you alive from the inside out. And so even self-decapitation in hopes you could regenerate a new self that's healthy and free from pain, you know, that doesn't seem like a bad idea, right? If they can convince themselves that they are in love or that they are good people who do good things in the world, you know, around them when all they really do is play pretend, and then grab a flamethrower and burn everything to the ground with some kind of um scorched earth intentions if they can do that then i can i can be a sea slug or i could be a pig with wings or any damn thing i choose to be because you know we all get to identify as whatever we want these days so why not why not magical thinking maybe Living in a delusional world, you know, can be pretty fun, I think. (laughs) So what kind of emotions do you think a victim of torture and intermittent reinforcement carries around? That would be you and me. If you're listening to this, I'm guessing that you're in the same boat that I'm in. Is it a grief that is utterly incapacitating? Is it anger that compels you to plot their demise? Or is it more akin to a brand of hopelessness that shatters you from the inside out into a million shards of glass without any chance of restoration or reconstruction? Well, I think it's all those things and more. The kind of um, crap cocktail (laughs) Of play on word, not craft cocktail, but it's a kind of crap cocktail that makes you think death might be a welcome release from all of that. But it's just that that's something you could never actually do. Because you see, you, unlike them, you are capable of empathy, compassion, guilt, and all those things that make us human. And force us to consider other people's feelings when we do something, right? I mean, even the best person fails to do that sometimes for whatever reason. I, f- I feel like I have always tried to do the best I could with what I had to work with at the time. And so I can forgive myself and not carry a lot of self loathing or guilt for some of the foolish decisions I've made. I made them because, well, for many reasons, but there were reasons. So, um, but we can't harm ourselves or really others that we would like to harm. You know what I'm saying, boys and girls. Uh, We can't do that because we have Friends, family members, maybe children that are watching us, and we just can't do it. But make no mistake, you know, um, you know we're all going to fail <clears throat> to always be good, selfless people. So many times through the years when I was married to my narcopath, I chose unwisely and inadvertently harmed those that I loved. I chose him over and over time and again and as a result there were consequences it was a huge price that I paid and if anything I can say to you um, sticks with you and helps you to avoid a similar fate that I have brought down upon myself it would be hit pause a second and look at those red flags hit pause for a second and listen to what everyone is telling you. They're all trying to tell you something. They're warning you. They're begging you. They're pleading you, pleading with you. And you know what? I was blinded by my unhealthy attachments and my chemical addiction to him. Um, I, and so the people who loved me, they, they couldn't bear to watch it. And now everyone's gone, you know, all, they've all moved away. You know, that, that vision of what life was going to be like for me as I got older, having Sunday afternoons with my family, having a little Sunday dinner, playing games in the yard, baking cookies together, taking walks in the park. I don't get that. I don't get to have that because they are thousands of miles away because of him and because of me, because I chose him, because at the time I didn't feel like I could do anything else. But now that he's gone, I pay for it every day. That's something to think about. Cautionary warning there, guys. I'm alone. This is a lesson to learn if you're on the precipice of disaster. Step back. Do not forsake those who love you. If they're trying to warn you, listen to them. Trust that they would not be all standing together, waving those red flags and screaming to slam on the brakes before you get to the edge of the cliff if there was not some really good reason why you need to do that. Any fool would have understood that they must be on to something, that they must know something or see something that, you know, that I couldn't see. But, you know, I, I, I was a fool and I was fooled by this disordered person that I did not understand how disordered he was or I didn't understand what that actually meant. I thought he was just damaged. I thought he just had some addictions, um, you know, that he needed to go to SAA or something, you know, I, I had no idea that he was incapable of having real genuine feelings. It felt like he loved me. He said he did, but in retrospect, I think he was just mirroring me the whole time. So all Thelma and Louise style, right over the edge. That's where I went. I sailed into the sky. It was a beautiful moment. (laughs) And then I experienced, you know, just like a few fleeting seconds there of sheer jubilation. Before hitting the rocks, bursting into a thousand pieces and ending up in flames. People don't walk away from something like that. You know, you're dead on impact. So yes, I wish I could be a sea slug. I want to cut off the infected parts and sever them, stop the way they spread like cancer and metastasize around my spine. I want to regenerate and grow back into a version of myself that is a blank slate free of parasites and demons ready to swim out to sea and live my life okay so guys i i wrote a poem for you yeah this is a little unusual but hey we have to find our fun where we can and um yeah i think i'm desperate for some fun Uh, So, but, so this is what I did instead of other fun things. I wrote a poem to a a sea slug and it's called A Prayer for a Sea Slug. And I don't mean to be irreverent. It's just some humor here. Here we go. A sea slug shall not want. It shall lie down in green ponds. It shall slither beside still waters. It shall restoreth its flesh, and yea, though it slimes through the valley of the shadow of death, it shall fear no evil, for its regenerative properties are with it. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, Yeah, that was my point. Okay, so let's go on. So here's the key. I think instead of decapitating ourselves, To achieve some kind of genesis or reconfiguration, we need to turn inward and work on what is at the seat of our souls. Nothing needs to be amputated or severed. Just go inward. Go to your interior. Ask your interior self, "How how are you doing in there? What do you need? How can I help you? If you're quiet and you listen carefully, they're probably going to tell you they're going to answer. They're going to communicate with you. They've been trying to get your attention probably since you were a little kid, but you were too busy with your narcopath to hear them or see them. I get that. That was certainly what happened to me. Um, And this mini-me version of of yourself is like the primitive version of yourself at your source of power and freedom and individuality. It is your seed self from which your values, ethics, identity, perception, attitudes, and view of the world first spring to life. Perhaps it has not been nurtured. For a long time. Maybe you've never fed it or watered it or validated it in any way. So of course, that's part of the problem, big part of the problem. And the only way out of all of this mess that we have with this whole trying to heal and be whole and stand up and get on with our lives and not be broken and shattered by this experience which is something i compare to an existential crisis i mean it wipes you out it doesn't just disturb you emotionally with the broken heart and all of that it completely eradicates your sense of self identity personhood self-confidence self-respect all of that gone just erased in essence that's what they do. They, in the end, they erase you in ways that you just, it's unimaginable how profoundly they do that. They just totally make you disappear as if you never existed, as if your relationship with them never existed. Poof, they're just gone. They just vanish. And you Are left feeling invisible, like you don't exist, after the way they have um, sort of uh, what is the word I'm looking for? After they have abandoned you and failed to acknowledge or validate you, see you or hear you or recognize you in any way, even in the smallest of ways. So, Um, on the other side of this, um, you have to make friends with your inner self and listen while they tell you and then make your best effort to try to repair whatever is the problem. Yeah. Recently, my therapist hypnotized me and, um, yeah, it was interesting because we did it virtually because of COVID. Uh, he hypnotized me and, you know, I have a deep understanding of exactly what's happened and why and all of that. And so I don't need talk therapy. I don't need to talk about it because I get it. There's so much information. I studied this in school and I thought, wow. So glad that's never going to happen to me um, until it did. Um, Clearly, you know, I I understand all that. But what I don't have is the ability to manage my CPTSD and all those symptoms that just run rampant out of control since I was discarded. I need to get those things in check. So when I was under hypnosis and I went into myself, into that silent, dark place within, my interior self told me a couple of things, three things that I must conquer and make peace with. So she said, number one, powerlessness and helplessness are with you in profound ways that influence everything you do. Secondly, terror. Horror and fear rule you at all times and compel you to make decisions that are clouded by this fear. And that's never a good thing. And then finally, number three is an immense anger at the injustice of it all. It's just not fair. And how unfair it is that you must always feel so lonely when you deserve love and support and validation just as much as anyone else, you know, one of the very first things you do is, you know, you, you, you have to work on yourself to love yourself and do self care and be kind to yourself and all of that. And yeah, I, I have that. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm smart and I'm uh, good looking for a woman my age (laughs) and I am talented and you know, in addition to those things, which are of value to me, I'm also just a really good person. Yeah, there is a good and a bad. There's a right and a wrong. I remember towards the end, he told me, I don't believe in that. Everything you said that you believe in about right and wrong and good and evil, I don't believe it. I don't believe there's any such thing. And I remember thinking, what? Of course, there's." good and bad and good and evil and virtue and sin. Of course there is. He was like, no, it's just all, uh, whatever we want to do when we want to do it to whomever we want to do it. That's just, it's all good. Well, anyway, those three revelations were not really new, uh, but they were framed in a new way that enabled me to have more clarity about the challenges that lie before me. I understand the things that I need to work on and focus on if I want to recover and salvage any of the life ahead or time that that I do have left here on this planet. We never know how long we have, but I'm pretty sure chronologically time is not on my side since I'm a little bit older Um, a friend and I were sitting at her house earlier today, eating veggie power bowls (laughs) and just poking around in the junkyard of our lives, kind of with the stick and hoping that we would find a little bit of hope buried somewhere. I met her in a recovery group for people with broken hearts and people who were recovering from narcissistic abuse they didn't say anything about psychopaths, but you know, they really should stop with all the narcissist stuff because <laughs> I'm telling you a lot of times they're not narcissists. They're not. Um, they're psychopaths or they have anti-personal, antisocial personality disorder, or they have borderline or, I mean, there's like, I think for all the people that we think are narcissists, a large majority of them are not. I'm so tired of hearing that word. Anyway. So she and I were sitting there together with our, with our veggie bowls and our little sticks poking around. And, um, you know, we had both been discarded by men with personality disorders. They abandoned their marriages with us within a week of each other back in June, 2019 So accepting the reality of something that is so utterly unacceptable has been a challenge for both of us. And we are both resigned to spend the rest of our lives poking around with these little sticks in hope of finding hope. That's what it is, in hope of finding hope. She said, do you realize that at our age, we have maybe five eight years left or so to do whatever we need to do before it's going to be time to settle in and just be ready for the long, cold winter of our lives. Wow. That was a pretty depressing statement, but it was actually true. You know, we're both the same age, past 60. Come on now, girl never tells. And we both feel our age deep in our bones in ways we never did before our husbands cast us aside and threw us away without any trace of emotion, remorse, or apology? Yeah. You know, I wanted to travel the world, live in another country for a while, be silly and laugh and enjoy wild romps in the hay, witness beautiful, explosively colorful sunsets at the beach and have advanced adventures like skydiving or jungle trekking through thailand how am i gonna do any of those things without my partner men can always find women especially charming older men with huge egos you know (laughs) they all have huge egos Some of them have huge bank accounts. Some of them have huge other things to work in their favor. But, you know, at the end of the day, these charming snakes, um, they're still disordered people who are going to break you in half and scatter your ashes um, all around them in the end. That's how that's going to go. So anyway, nobody wants busted up old women with baggage And the only ones interested in us are some crusty old dude who wants either a nurse or a purse. (laughs) That's so sad, but kind of true. So we laughed quietly about this and nodded our heads. And she shifted in her chair and gazed out of her beautiful, tall windows, looking out at her tiered pool in her beautiful, perfect home. And I thought to myself, look at us, look at us. We have comfort and security pretty much, right? As much as anybody can save some terrible health crisis or something. Um, Yet there is no doubt that we would both give every penny away and go live under a bridge and be homeless and impoverished and, all of that, if our husbands would just reach for us, take us by the hand, confess that they made a terrible mistake, say that they don't want to live without us after all the years of being married with us, and and then just surround us with their love and wrap us in their arms. And, you know, every single penny without hesitation but that's never going to happen. Her aging white poodle is lying beside her on the sofa. She says, do you think there's any chance we're going to get healthy and wake up and realize what they've done, that they're going to do that, that they're going to feel bad about it, that they're going to make amends someday if we wait and just keep the faith. Wow. What do you, you know, I watch her, and I realize that she already knows the answer to that question. I say, no, I I don't think so. They don't think there's anything wrong with them. They think they are the good guys, the victims, and that they have shifted all the blame on us. I watch the anguish in her eyes as she contemplates a future without him. I can't imagine how I will navigate by myself either so we find solace where we can she paints I write and suddenly I think of the sea slug imagining how nice it would be to just slice off the part of yourself that is damaged or injured and then quickly replicate and grow a new one if only it was that easy we sit in silence sipping our flavored water trying not to reflect on a past that crushes us and hesitant to imagine a future alone. Finally, she says, I don't plan things anymore. I'm very spontaneous. Just one hour, one day at a time. That's all I can do. If I can get through it without the sadness that steals the day, then it's a good day. I imagine that her faraway look is hearing her children running through the upstairs hallways once again. All those years ago, all those memories ago, she imagines his voice calling, calling from the distance. The grandfather clock is all that we hear. The house seems so large now and empty since he left. My children are gone too all grown up and in far away places. I want to retrieve a happy, happy um, life. I, I want to have a happy memory of, of when, when our rooms were filled with laughter, but you know, I, I can't hear, hear that even in my dreams. My children don't run through the halls in my house. They're silent. I look at her and I say, You know, it's starting to get dark. If I don't go pretty soon, I'm not going to be able to see to get home safely. I stand up and take one last look at the small woman in the enormous room, shadows sweeping away the streams of the light swallowed up by all of those rooms and all that tall ceiling nothing but echoes and emptiness home i think you know i don't really have a home anymore it was sold in the divorce i have a house where i'm staying um at least until i can figure things out i've given myself a deadline It's been 21 months since he left. Almost two years. And when it's three years, that's it. That's my deadline. That's when I have to go. That's when I leave. I pack up my things and I do what he did. He just got a head start. I go somewhere far away and I start from scratch and I invent everything new Even in my advanced age, even though I'm totally alone, that's the plan. I just have to figure out how I'm going to do that and where I'm going to go. And all of that, you know, somewhere in me, this little voice says, you may never leave. You may never get to have that do-over. You may never get to lob off that part of yourself and grow a new one. But I know I have to. I know I can't stay here. We exchange understanding smiles of gratitude for our time together. You know, I guess misery loves company. In any event, we will rise tomorrow and do it again. One day at a time. One hour at a time poking around in the ashes with that damn stick in the mountains of debris from the lives that were burned beyond recognition and hoping that we will find peace in those ashes, that we will find peace in the days to come. I step out onto her veranda and head to my car. A recent shower has made her gardens wet and fragrant. And then I see it. (laughs) A big, fat, brown snail, cousin to the sea slug we've been talking about today, gliding in a trail of mucus in my path. (laughs) And I think... There is nothing worse than accidentally stepping on one of these things and hearing that crunch beneath your shoe. So I dance around it and think to myself, damn you, you slimy little beast. You can decapitate your own head and just grow everything new. And I'm stuck with this pain and this wreckage that used to be a life. You lucky bastard. Well, so much for snails speak. Life is not fair. And then I disappear into the pink and purple Austin dusk. Going over the steep hills in Rollingwood in Westlake. And they just swallow up my car and I disappear. Austin was our home for so many years. But now I'm a stranger here, constantly plotting my escape, imagining a destination that doesn't feel like a graveyard of ghosts. I dream of a place by the sea, a place without any sea slugs or snails.